Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News. Wednesday, May 4th, 2022. Stand up for your country. Good night for Donald Trump last night. He hasn't had a lot of good publicity uh, lately. Um, But uh, last night, he did quite well. And that will go a long way into strengthening his position to run for president again. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So Trump endorsed 22 candidates in yesterday's elections in Ohio and Indiana. All 22 won, including J.D. Vance. That was the big one. That's a Senate race in Ohio. Vance defeated Josh Mandel 32 percent to 24. He will now face Democrat Tim Ryan in the general election in November. And J.D. Vance is the favorite in that race. Anything could happen. Obviously, it's not a slam dunk, but but Vance is in a good position. So he's 37 years old, a former Marine, uh, went to Ohio State, uh, got famous uh, after he published a book called Hillbilly Elegy, a memoir of a family and culture in crisis. That was in 2016, big bestseller. In the beginning, he didn't like Trump. Vance uh, was a never-Trumper, and then he was converted somehow. don't really know how. I don't really follow that. Um, And then he got to be friends with Donald Trump and uh, used uh, the Trump endorsement on the campaign trail and has won. So if I'm Donald Trump today, I'm pretty happy because Donald Trump wants to run for president again, and he's raising all kinds of money, record historic levels of money to run. Can't announce until January 23 because of campaign finance laws. If he announced tomorrow, for example, then he, his fundraising capacity would change and he wouldn't be able to raise as much money. Some of the money he's raising will be given to other Republican nominees and people running. And that way he builds up loyalty and he builds up effectiveness in, in the states around the country. So that's what's going on there. Um, I haven't talked to the president. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, I don't know if he's mad at me or, you know, how that goes. <laughs> I don't, I didn't do anything. I made him a lot of money in the, uh, history shows, but, um, actually he made it himself because, you know, people came to see him, not me. Um, anyway, uh, that's the memo. Let's go to, uh, President Biden's schedule, throw it on up. He welcomed the Team USA to the White House and that's all he did. <laughs> So I hate to laugh. I mean, it's not really nice to laugh at the president of the United States, but he doesn't do anything. He, he, he's around, and I guess people come into the Oval Office and show him stuff, but he doesn't do much. And that's because whenever he does do something, it's a fiasco. Um, we put together a gentle montage of just in the past few days how he has screwed up what he's trying to say. Go. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman and for being here as well. And uh, at the risk of stating the obvious here, before Russia attacked, we made sure Russia had javelins and other weapons to strengthen the defenses so Ukraine was ready for whatever happened. All right, everybody makes slips of the tongue. It's Batman, not Batman. <laughs> but 
Biden's making him every sentence. Okay, so they trotted him out after the leak from the Supreme Court that we analyzed in great detail last night. I'm not going to go over that again. There is a message of the day on BillOReilly.com. You should read. I hope you get a chance to. Everybody can read it. You don't have to be a premium member or anything. Um, But they trotted uh, President Biden out. They are, you know, Ron Klain, the chief of staff, Susan Rice, the progressive leftists who really run the country. They put him out there, and here's what he said. Go. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way that the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. Okay, so, I mean, it's just blather. What happens if the states change the law saying children who are LBGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? That would never happen. That's impossible. That would be a gross violation of civil rights. I mean, that's like saying, what would happen if a giant monster were unleashed below the sea and came and ate San Francisco? I think that's Godzilla, right? It's the same thing, the same absurdity. So why is the president of the United States uttering absurdities? Why? I can't answer the question. If you're going to go out and say something, say something that's effective. Say something that means a great deal. You're the president. All right. So uh, we, I wanted to get a poll, women only, American women, on abortion. That hasn't been taken in a year. The last one was taken by Pew, and it's a very poor sample 43 Republican, 52 Democrat. I mean, that's not a good uh, ratio there. 5,000 plus adults. Um, and the question was, was a loaded question. Should abortion be illegal in all of most cases? I'm not even going to put it on, a, on the screen, but this is nothing. I can't get a handle. And I know there will be polling coming up. Maybe we'll be. I can't get a handle on American women and where they come down on the abortion issue because it's complicated. There's first trimester abortions, which are legal in most places in the world. But once you get beyond the first trimester to the second and third, they're illegal around the world in most places. Here, late-term abortions legal in most states. So that's pretty barbaric, I think. You know, the progressives are big human rights people, but when it comes to the unborn, no rights. Why? Because the progressives say, well, it's just a blob of cells, not a human being. This is what progressives say. Well, you go fetal heartbeat at six weeks. That's a human heartbeat. So in order to have a human heartbeat, you have to be a human. You can't be a blob of mass of cells. This is the science. And then I asked my staff, all right, 
find Biden on the science. Roll the tape. And we follow the science and find the answers. That we will be guided by the science. So here's what the science tells us. I call school superintendents in Florida and Arizona to thank them for doing the right thing and requiring masks in their schools. One of them said, we teach science, so we follow the science. Now we just have to finish the job with truth, with science, with confidence, and together as one nation. All right, so the science on abortion says the fetal heartbeat gave up to six weeks and that the fetus can feel pain after about 20 weeks. That's a science, Joe. How come you're not following it? How come you don't want any protections for the unborn? And you're a Roman Catholic to boot. I can't answer that question. That's the first question I'd ask him. Well, you're a big science guy, right? Science, science, science. COVID science, global warming science. What about abortion science, Mr. President? You think you'd be able to stand up to that? Mm hmm. All right. So I picked out three sound bites to show you how crazy this country has become. Um, the first one is Whoopi Goldberg. Go. Well, we got tired of tripping over women in bathrooms, public bathrooms, who were giving themselves abortions because there was nowhere safe, nowhere clean, nowhere to go. This law came about because people wanted people to have somewhere safe and somewhere clean. It has nothing to do with your religion. This is not a religious issue. This is a human issue. It is a religious issue for Christians, Ms. Goldberg. And I have never heard of a woman tripping over another woman in a bathroom who was giving herself an abortion. Ever. I don't know if that's ever happened. Yet ABC News feels comfortable with having someone say that. Elizabeth Warren, far left kook. I mean, way out there. Roll it. I grew up in Oklahoma. I grew up at a time when abortion was unlawful. And that means there were women who bled to death from back alley abortions. It means there were women who ended their own lives rather than carry forward in a pregnancy that they could not bear. And that's the world that the Republican extremists are trying to recreate. So if you are pro-life, you want to recreate a world where women commit suicide. That's what she's saying. And here's the worst one. This is NBC News, some guy named Ellie Mistal, who... You can't even describe this guy other than to say he hates his country. But NBC puts him on all the time. Go. Alito's fundamental legal reasoning is that abortion is not a fundamental right because it doesn't go back to the founding because the founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right. And he's right about that. The founding fathers didn't recognize abortion as a fundamental right because the founding fathers were racist, misogynist, jerk faces who didn't believe that women had any rights at all. So, of course, they didn't believe that women had rights to their own bodies. Ah, uh, I... Um... 
So uh, racist, misogynist, jerk faces. This is NBC News Comcast. Are they comfortable? Why would you want to be associated? I'm not trying to ban this guy. But would you be comfortable with that if you owned a corporation with somebody running around saying that kind of stuff? Would you want to be associated with that? NBC, no problem with it. Amazing. All right, demonstrations occurred last night in D.C., New York City, Phoenix, L.A., San Francisco, Denver, Boston, Houston, Hartford, St. Louis, Oakland, San Jose, and maybe some others, but those are the major ones. Even for progressives to get this big email list, and they just pop, 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 easy for them to get people out. And pro-life people, they demonstrated too. There wasn't any violence. I was happy to see that. Uh, one police officer in L.A. was hurt, but... It wasn't burning and, and, and a lot of that, so that's a positive. Political ramifications, uh, you know, look, uh, big, this is going to be a big story into July because the Supreme Court will have to issue its ruling. Roe v. Wade probably go down 5-4, as I said yesterday. That's a likely outcome. But each state will be able to then have their own laws. New York, where I am right now, has the most liberal law you've ever seen. Up until, I don't know, a minute before birth, you could kill uh, the baby here, no problem. Um, I, I assume that New York, L.A., Illinois, Massachusetts will make it easy for people to come to those states to have abortions. Maybe they'll even demand that I pay for it. But that's not beyond Albany here. But anyway, what's going to happen is that going back to the states, which was what the founders intended, this is a social issue. It's not a national security issue. It's not foreign war issue. That's why the federal government was set up in the first place, to provide protection from foreign danger, national security, the social issues of which abortion is number one social issue. Those are to be decided by the individual states. Now, that idiot from uh, NBC, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know anything. But originally, the founders wanted an apparatus where the federal government protected us from outside threats. And the states handled all the other things, which is what happened with slavery. Okay, the states in the South had it, in the North didn't have it. And then it got to be such a humanitarian issue that we fought the Civil War. All right, that's it. Any questions, bill at billoreilly.com. Name in town if you wish to opine on radio and television. Happy to answer them. Um, but I don't expect the abortion issue to influence voters in November very much. I'll explain why at the end of this broadcast and a final thought. War on the uh, police in America, underreported story. Because the progressive left press doesn't like the police. So it's underreported. First, the FBI chief, Christopher Ray, on 60 Minutes. Violence against law enforcement in this country is one of the biggest phenomenons that I think doesn't get enough attention. Last year, officers were being killed at a rate of almost one every five days. But why are more officers being killed right now? Some of it is tied to the violent crime problem uh, as a whole. But one of the phenomena that we saw uh, in last year is that an alarming percentage of the 73 law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty last year were killed through things like being ambushed 
uh, or shot while out on patrol. They were killed because they were police officers. Right. Wearing the badge shouldn't make you a target. All right, here are the stats. Last year, 21, 59% increase in cops intentionally killed in the line of duty, 73 of them, up from 46 in 2020. So uh, I think the best expert on crime in this country right now is Heather McDonald. She is a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, comes to us from Irvine, California. So it's interesting, you wrote an article recently that said, Police shootings on unarmed black men have gone way down since George Floyd, yet police being killed is way up. Right? Do I have it correct? Absolutely. And uh, when you make the calculations, you find that a police officer is 400 times as likely to be killed by a black male as an unarmed black male. Uh, person is to be killed by a police officer. So the narrative that everybody has absorbed uncritically from the media, which is that we're living through an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of blacks, is completely false. The impression that people have that, that daily blacks are getting gunned down is a complete optical illusion created by highly selective, deliberately uh, uh, manipulated press coverage. Okay. In 2021, only six black men were killed by police, six black unarmed men, okay, not in the commission of a crime, six. Have you looked at all six of those cases? Not these particular ones, but I've looked at this category of unarmed. This comes from the Washington Post database of fatal police shootings. And I did a very exhaustive analysis of their 2015 unarmed cases. And the Washington Post is quite generous, to say the least, in how it characterizes somebody as unarmed. In 2015, you saw people who were grabbing an officer's gun. So it wasn't his gun. It wasn't the, the criminal's gun. So he'd get, get it to be counted as, as unarmed. Right. But he was putting the cop on notice that he intended to kill him. Or you can be fleeing in a stolen car with a loaded semi-automatic pistol in the seat next to you, and you still get to be counted as unarmed in the Washington Post. But but let's say that it, this is truly, these people were not unarmed, they were not uh, attacking, but they were all resisting arrest. Uh, that's compared to self-identified 47 million blacks in this country. That is not a big reason why blacks die of homicide at 13 times the rate of whites between the ages of 10 and 34. The reason blacks die of homicide at such higher rates is not the cops. It's not whites. It's not white supremacy. It's the, because they're being killed by black criminals. And the nation turns its eyes away from that reality and, and is engaged in this racial hysteria, blaming white people for every problem affecting blacks today. And that's not justified. And it's not backed up by any stats. So the reason that the Washington Post and New York Times, NBC News, all of the corporate media, the reason that they don't report the truth based on the statistics, as you do at the Manhattan Institute, is because fundamentally they believe that white police and white politicians and white people with power, particularly white men, are racist and don't like black people. 
that's the genesis of all of this, is it not? Well, I can take that's true. That's sort of an intermediate level belief. And I, I totally agree with you. I think they do believe that. But the reason that they are so insistent on this obsessive compulsive search for phantom white racism is that the elites are terrified about black inner city dysfunction. They do not want to look at it. We turn our eyes away. Every day, blacks are beating up on whites in just extraordinarily sadistic ways, and it never gets covered. Uh, it's it's a, an extraordinary thing. This is not the behavior of white supremacist bill. Uh, we, we sweep this black inner city barbarity under the rug because the whites are the elite whites are terrified that the behavior gaps and the achievement gaps are never going to close. And so they are preemptively coming up with the only allowable explanation for the lack of racial proportionality at Google and the overrepresentation of blacks in prison. The only allowable explanation today, if you're on MSNBC, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, is white racism. Right. And if you say the opposite, you're a racist. So therefore, nobody says the opposite because they don't want that brand put on them. So that we're in basically a twilight zone of talking about misinformation and disinformation, where the truth is not going to be told by the corporate American media because they don't want the people to know the truth that there is much more violence in the black community than in the white community. Do I have it? Yes. I mean, the videos don't lie. We've seen the videos of the looting. Everything in the criminal justice system today is driven by one thing, and that is race. If you want to understand why progressive prosecutors like George Gascon in Los Angeles or Alvin Bragg in New York or Kim Fox in, in Chicago are not enforcing laws against looting, turnstile jumping, uh, trespass, resisting arrest. It's because if they do enforce those laws, they will have a disparate impact on blacks. Not because the laws are racist, not because the police are racist, not because judges are racist, but because blacks are committing crime at astronomically higher rates. And we've decided as a nation, well, somebody's decided at least, the elites have decided, we would rather not enforce the law at all than have a disparate impact on blacks. And the I, result of this, of course, is that another 2,000 blacks were murdered in 2020 compared to 2019. Right. I mean, the, the violence in the black communities is staggering and, and nobody's done anything about it for decades. Last question, has the Manhattan Institute or you researched the reason why blacks in America are more violent than whites in America? Is it poverty? Is it deprivation? What is it that drives the violence in the black community? Well, it's certainly not poverty. The, the safest period in this country's history was the Great Depression. We had virtually zero crime. Uh, it is the breakdown of the black family. These kids are not getting socialized. Their fathers are not around. The mothers have children by many different fathers. The fathers have children by many different mothers. It is chaos. The social skills are not getting passed on. Bourgeois values. What sort of upbringing leads to a, a young black teenager, 15-year-old, spraying bullets across a sidewalk with utter indifference to who he kills? There is a breakdown of basic civilizational norms 
the, the root cause of this is the breakdown of the family, and this is going to have to be a cultural revolution. No amount of redistribution of, of taxpayer dollars is going to make a damn bit of difference. We've been redistributing money, having anti-poverty programs for six decades since the Great Society. It has not closed the crime gap. No, it's, it's worse now than gap. it's ever been. It's worse now than it's ever been. Is there any other country on this earth? that has this kind of a problem disproportionately between Caucasians and blacks? Yes, the, the crime gap exists in every country. To this extent? Well, we have gun violence. Uh, the crime gap exists. What differentiates our uh, racial, you know, inner city violence is we have guns. And that's the reason why we have a much higher incarceration rate. Our rate of gun violence is about 43 times higher than other Western European countries and Japan. Uh, and it is driven almost exclusively by people of color. In New York City, uh, blacks commit about 75% of all drive-by shootings, though they're 23% of the population. Add Hispanic shootings to black shootings, and you get about 100% of all shootings. That's true in every city today. All right, Heather, thank you very much for the analysis. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Moving ahead uh, on the economic front, Fed raised the interest rates uh, half a point today, trying to fight inflation, tamp it down. I don't know whether it's going to work. Uh, I have no idea. But if you want to buy a house or a car or get a loan, it's going to cost you more money. Other side, if you have money in the bank, you're going to get a higher interest rate. So, you know, for years we didn't get any money on our savings. So that's where we are. Our interest rates are coming up. Uh, I expect that to continue the rest of the year. Um, the Biden administration, his big deficit is the economy and inflation. I hope they bring it under control because, you know, everybody is getting hammered. And I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. Now, in March of this year, 4.5 million Americans quit their jobs. 4.5 million at the same time. Almost 12 million new jobs were available. So if you do the math, I'm not great at math, but it looks like uh, 16 million jobs are to be had if you want them. But apparently a lot of Americans don't want them. The unemployment rate is 3.5%. That's Biden's strongest card. Everybody's working who wants to work. Now, why do these people quit in March? From what we can understand, they want more money. And in, because there are so many jobs available, they're leaving the job where they don't get the salary they want, the wages they want, and they're trying to get other jobs. But they leave before they get the other jobs, which is always a mistake. If you want to leave, fine, but get another job first before you leave. Get a higher paying job first. You should be wanting to work your way up the ladder. Okay, so I thought you'd find that interesting. COVID update um, coming back in a milder form. Um, reports of COVID have doubled uh, in the past month. Last 30 days, Omicron subvariants, only four states have not increased. And those states are. I'm sorry, for, uh, two states, two territories. D.C., which is not a state, American Samoa, way out in the Pacific Ocean, Colorado, Oklahoma, every other state, COVID's up. A lot of my friends got COVID recently. 
Um, there, you know, it's a little virus. They're down a couple of days, not diminishing it, but it's around. Be careful. Ukraine update. Um, you know, it's going to be nothing much is going to happen until the ceasefire is declared. Putin's not going to leave eastern Ukraine. Russian troops are going to be there ad infinitum. That's how it's going to all. Um, that's how we're going to have to look at this for the next year or so. Sanctions not going to be lifted on Putin. Anyway, the head of the Russian um, Orthodox Church, Patriarch Kirill, villain. He's now being sanctioned by the EU. Good. What does that mean? It means he can't go anywhere. So if Kirill wanted to fly from Moscow to Berlin, no. London, no. Even Athens, no. Can't go. All right. Kirill is what they call a false prophet. If you are uh, familiar with the Bible, there's false prophets everywhere. And Kirill's one of them. But he's the head of a church that about 95% of Russians belong to. And he's a Putin lover. Loves Putin. Calls Putin's uh, governance a miracle of God. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, did an extensive interview with Sean Hannity about killing the killers today. Um, it hit number two on Amazon. Might, as we speak, be number one. We taped this in the late afternoon. There's the cover of the book. Uh, I want to thank everybody. In less than 24 hours, the thing has rocketed to the top of the bestseller list. Last night, I was on News Nation with Leland uh, Vitteret. And Leland and I worked back in uh, Fox News, and he's a very good correspondent. You might remember he was a Middle East correspondent for Fox. So he has his own show on News Nation. Roll the tape. I was able to get the information because National Security Advisors from Bush, the Younger's administration, through the end of Trump, talked to me and told me exactly what happened in all of the episodes that we write about, beginning with Osama bin Laden's death assassination and ending with the debacle at the Kabul airport under Biden. We take you there. We put you in the room with bin Laden and the Navy SEALs. We show you exactly how bin Laden uh, died and his son died and how al-Baghdadi got tracked and assassinated. And the same thing with Soleimani. It's the best reporting I've ever done in my career. I'm proud of this book. I am. And if you read the book, um, I want to hear from you about it. We have a few letters about it already. People got in and read it already. Um, but it's important that you know what America is doing to defend you. And there is no linkage, by the way. This came up in the Hannity interview. It came up with Leland. I'm doing interviews all over the place. All right. On Friday, I'll be with Beck. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, I'll be with Mark Levin. Um, you know, so I'm, this is my job. I write the book. I have to promote the book. And I'm blackballed from um, CBS and ABC and NBC. That's fine. All right. They do what they do. We don't have much respect for them. Um, but one of the things that uh, comes up from a lot of the interviewers is, well, what about Homeland Security? How can we say we're safe? We're not safe with Homeland Security. The border is a catastrophe. But Homeland Security doesn't have anything to do with hunting down and killing the terrorists overseas. A lot of Americans don't understand that. 
So overseas, it's the CIA and the National Security Agency, NSA. They're in charge there. Inside the United States, the FBI. Now, we do have FBI bureaus overseas, okay? But it's basically tracking crimes against Americans. And those terrorists that commit crimes against Americans. So they're involved, but they're not involved with the track down, okay? Now, Homeland Security, Mayorkas, this guy couldn't run a Motel 6, Mayorkas. Everybody knows that. You've seen him. I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's a catastrophe. As I said, on the border, it's chaos. And Biden's in the middle of this. Now, people go, well, well, Biden is so incompetent, which is true. How can we be confident that he is protecting us against jihadists, against Al-Qaeda, which is reconstituting because of Biden in Afghanistan, and ISIS, again, they're reconstituting in Iraq because of Biden. How can we be confident? Biden doesn't have much to do with this. It's Jake Sullivan, the national security director, okay? And he, when the CIA says, we've got somebody pinpointed, Sullivan goes to Biden and, and they do it. Biden just doesn't go no like he did with the bin Laden raid. Remember, Biden was the only Obama cabinet member that said no to the Obama raid. Doesn't happen now. So our intelligence about where these people are and what they're doing is fantastic. And our weaponry, our space weaponry, you're going to be aghast at the power that we have, which is why Putin isn't causing more trouble. He knows he could be vaporized, and Russia and China don't have those weapons. So all in all, and who's responsible, by the way, for those weapons? Trump. Not a political book. Killing the Killer isn't a political book. And I take you through all the administration very fair way, fact-based way. But Trump doesn't even tout it. <laughs> and it's him. They spent so much money upgrading the military. That's where it went. So I hope, guys, check out the book. This day in history, May 4th, 1970, National Guard kills four students in Kent State, Ohio. Okay, this was incredible. Four dead, nine wounded, all students. Okay, 67 shots by the National Guard shooting at the protesting kids who were marching toward the guard. Now, all of that led to an anthem, a musical anthem, and then after you hear it, I'll tell you what ultimately the Kent State thing led to. Go. So after Kent State, there were massive demonstrations against the Vietnam War all over the place. Richard Nixon actually said that Kent State led to U.S. forces being withdrawn from Vietnam. This day in history, that happened 52 years ago. All right, Mel, and a final thought about uh, me filling up my gas tank last night. Right back. Okay, let's get to the mail. Uh, Tim uh, Baltas, Milford, Ohio. Bill, can the person who leaked the draft opinion of the Supreme Court be charged criminally? Could, won't, won't. I don't even know if to find a person. I don't know how hard they're looking, but I don't expect criminal charges 
Bob DeMarco, Louisville, Kentucky. I understand, as you stated, O'Reilly, if Roe goes, abortion becomes a state-by-state issue. However, could the U.S. Congress pass a law restricting abortion across all states? Never happen. It'll never happen. The states will get the authority to regulate abortion within their own borders. Alan, concierge member, as President Reagan pointed out, all those in favor of abortion are alive. I have a a Reagan handwritten letter uh, about abortion, and I will read it to you soon. Uh, Walter Fancher, Irving, Texas, Bill, great analysis of the issues regarding the Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade. Thank you for clearing up many misconceptions I have had uh, from listening to the news. You know, that's what we're here for, Uh, Walter. I mean, if you watch the corporate media news, you're not going to get the truth. You're not. That's why we're here. James, Bill, you're right on target. Sadly, if Trump does uh, not reflect on his demeanor as president, reel in some of that narcissism, um, he is not going to be able to gain massive support. I think Trump can do it if it doesn't rein it in, but it's going to be harder. Peter, concierge member, is no better example of how and why elections have consequences. The problem is there is no return policy on presidents, obviously. So we're going to be stuck with Joe until the next election. Douglas Kennedy, La Cruces, New Mexico. Bill, would you please go over what comprehensive immigration reform would look like? I don't know. They haven't come up with it. They in Congress haven't come up with it. It's got to have border security first, and then Democrats don't want that. I don't have it. Richard Inkey, Syracuse, New York. Can you explain the process of how the Supreme Court justices would be increased? Same process we have now. Congress would vote to have uh, 15 instead of nine. President would nominate people. Senate would have to confirm them. Not going to happen, but that's how it would happen if I'm wrong. Kurt Zemba, Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Just got Killing the Killers this morning. Almost done reading it. Couldn't put it down. I've been a book collector for 30 years and an executive with the largest bookseller in the nation. And I have to say that this is your best work. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you. I'm very proud of Killing the Killers. Patty Manning, Weymouth, Massachusetts, received my pre-order of Killing the Killers. Wanted to say um, I actually felt that I was in the room when bin Laden was killed. It's so realistic. That's our goal. Put you right there. That's what the killing books all do. Bill Wallers, Quorum, New York, hoping to catch up on some sleep tonight as I couldn't put Killing the Killers down last night. It'll keep you up, no doubt about it. And finally, Ann Smith, Port Jefferson, New York, started reading Killing the Killers today. Kudos to you and Mr. Guard for another job well done. I'm also sending a shout out to Robert Petkoff for his narration on the audio version. Petkoff's the best. Killing the Killers on audio. Okay, May 10th, uh, we're going to have the town hall next Tuesday. Concierge and premium members get it. We'll discuss the book. We'll discuss anything you want. You'll write me directly. You can get those emails starting now. I'll answer your questions. We'll have a lot of fun. 9 to 10 Eastern Time next Tuesday, May 10th. Word of the day, do not be a lusk. L-U-S-K. Great word. Right back with the final thought. All right, here's the final thought today. True story. I'm putting gas in my gas tank. I finally learned how to do that. Take the nozzle, put the credit card in, put the thing, put it in. Uh, and then you squeeze it and the gas comes into your car, right? $75. 75 blanking dollars. 
Okay? So what am I doing? When I'm seeing a thing go, uh, whose image pops into my mind? Biden. Biden. And that's going to continue. So the abortion uh, hysteria, that will wane. But this isn't going to. Everybody's getting hurt economically. I'm going, what is going on? 75 bucks? And it's worse if you got one of these big vans and SUVs and if you live in San Francisco and L.A. All right? So I'm sitting there going, ah, I may have to get a bicycle, but I'm, all, I'm not going to wear the dopey helmet. When I was a kid on the bike, I didn't wear the helmet. Here I am. I'm here. No helmet. So when I get the bike, I'm not wearing a helmet. I'm stupid because if I get hit or something, I'll die. But I don't like that. When I played ice hockey, I'm going to get the picture. I have a picture of me playing ice hockey. Remind me, um, my staff, please, next week or maybe tomorrow. I got a picture of me playing ice. I have a helmet. We didn't have helmets. Maybe that's why I turned out the way I am. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. We will see you tomorrow.